Hey everybody, it's Tommy Shaw and I'd like to welcome you to my new 9 to 5 job, the It's a Shaw Thing podcast. Every great show needs a theme song, so I whipped a little something up and I think you're going to like it. Hello, friends, and welcome to A Shaw Thing, where it's going to be all things Tommy Shaw. And I'm your host. My name's Mike Mettler. All right, it's time for a good hang. This is the segment of a Shaw thing where we literally do just that. We hang out with our good friends, just like we'd be doing backstage, before show, after show, on the tour bus, just hanging out, talking, picking, and grinning. Our guest today needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. We're here with Kevin Cronin of REO Speedwagon. Good to see you, KC. Good to see you, Tommy. You guys have known each other for a long, long time. And is it true that you first met in an airport? Do I have that correctly? That's my recollection. I I remember, it seems to me like I was getting off a plane. One of us was getting off, the other was getting onto the same plane. (laughs) I had gone to um, my audition for Styx, and Kevin... You were just coming home and going back to Chicago, right? You know, it it was a while ago. I I will say this, but my recollection is that I was uh, on my little hiatus from REO Speedwagon. I was away for a couple of years there in the mid-70s, and the thought occurred to me that I wanted to put together a new rock and roll band. So I was kind of hanging out, uh, you know, up around Rush Street, you know, where all the cool Chicago clubs were, and, uh, and I walked into Rush Up one night, and MS Funk was playing. And they had this drummer with a drum set that looked like cannons, and, and it was like this big band. And I kind of took notice of the uh, lead guitar player, lead singer, and I thought, man, I think I could make some pretty cool music with that dude. So I just kind of filed that in the back of my head, and... And then, yeah, it was something about an airplane or an airport where we we had never met, but we just kind of bumped into one another. And then within like, you know, I never even had a chance to talk to you about starting a band because you had had this audition with Sticks, and I'd gotten the call to uh, give Ario Speedwagon another shot. And, you know, off we went. Wow. Isn't that something? How many weeks were you guys at number one? I mean, I remember it got to the point where your manager would call you every Tuesday to tell you what your chart position was. And of course, before 1981, we never got that call because it was never good news, you know. But in 1981, it was like, okay, it's number 10, it's number five, it's number one. And then next week, number one. It got to the point where we just assumed that it was going to be, I didn't even pick up the phone on Tuesday because it's like, of course it's going to be number one. And then, uh, you know, a, a couple of months went by and got the call on Tuesday. It's like, Sticks is number one, you're number two. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
because I don't know if you know this, Tommy, but back when I was in high school in Chicago, my band, which was called, I think we were called Us at the time, and we played in a battle of bands at my high school. And there was a band from the south side of Chicago that they were a couple years older than us, and we had heard about them. They'd been together longer, and uh, I heard they had this talented uh, keyboard player lead singer by the name of Dennis DeYoung. And uh, they were called the TW4. And so they came into my high school, played a battle of bands with us, and because they had a little more experience, what they did is they, or my story is, that they sent their girlfriends into the crowd, sweet-talking guys out of their ticket stub, which was used as ballots, and... Uh, uh, let's put it this way. They not only stuffed their bras, but they stuffed the ballot box as well, in my humble opinion. At least that's my story. And so the TW4 humiliated me and my band at my own high school, you know? So it's like, so, and, and never really popped into my mind until that 1981 where you guys and us and, you know, Literally, it was like arm wrestling on the on the charts. It's like you guys would take us, and then we take you. It was like it was it was crazy. And of course, you know, my mind was you know I was just thinking about that battle of bands, man. And I just <laughs> I was just like yeah, I was sure not going to lose this one. <laughs> not that I held a fifteen year grudge or anything. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Us and Sticks and Journey did a tour, a big tour back in 2003. All three of us. It was a pretty awesome tour. And uh, for some reason, don't ask me why, but I got this idea to bring a plant with me on the road. I'd heard of people bringing, you guys used to have a dog with you on the road, Tommy, for a while. And so I thought I need all the help I can get to stay focused and to feel a connection to home when I'm on tour. So I literally, the first leg of the tour is about six weeks, and I'm, in fact, I still have the plant right over here. It's a little uh, bamboo plant. It has survived, and I used to carry this thing like I'd be sitting on an airplane holding a plant, like in an elevator. People in the elevator of the hotel look at me like, what is wrong with this guy? And I literally brought this plant to the dressing room every night. It it was well-intentioned, but uh, caring for a plant on the road is uh, not all it's cracked up to be. The plant, my daughter Holly, who was about seven years old at the time, she and I went out and we, we bought two bamboo plants. She kept one and I kept the other. So it was a connection between me and her, her, her and I, I should say. That's how it started. The, the plant was called Lucky, Lucky Bamboo. And, and, and what I did is I actually started writing a little like essay every day from Lucky Bamboo's viewpoint of what was happening on the road. And it was called The, the, the Further Adventures of Lucky Bamboo. I totally forgot about that. I've got another title for it, Raising Cane. <laughs> Raising Cane. See? Tommy, you're always a man with the, with the great <laughs> titles. Tom, when, when we, the first tour that Ario and Sticks did together, which people don't understand, but I think both Sticks and Ario had toured with pretty much every other band on earth, except we had never played a gig together. It was just this weird thing. And when we finally got together and worked in 2001, that was literally the first time 
that we had ever played a gig together. It was pretty remarkable. That tour wound up being called Arch Allies, which you guys released a live project together, and that seems to be like the perfect encapsulation, Kevin and Tommy, of what you guys just said about that quote-unquote friendly rivalry, which it's not really. There's a camaraderie between these two bands that people don't realize until we see you on stage together. Well, yeah, that, that was the thing I was leading up to, that Tommy came up with that great title, Arch Allies, which pretty much uh, said it all, but... We did some incredible things on that tour, things that you wouldn't expect could be pulled off, but we did. Well, you know, I, it, I don't know how, how it started, but just one night, one of us walked on the stage to the other, with the other and just took a verse in, in one of the songs. Like, you came on, and it, it, was, it was like, whenever you felt like it, you, could, you were welcome to come take a verse on Blue Collar Man, and I would do Riding the Storm Out, I think, or Roll with the Changes, and it was just very unusual to have it be like that because you know it was rare to have other band members where you're actually good friends well that wraps up this episode of a shaw thing and now a word from our sponsor well i'm tired and i'm hungry day has been tossed too much time has been lost so i'll do the dipping you be the boss Shaw Thing is produced for Primary Wave by Popcult. All rights reserved.